Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Perspectives, part of our Growth Insights podcast series. Today, again, I'm joined by IRI's fresh expert, Jenna Parker, principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence, and special guest of an IRI partner, Anna Marie Rohrink, president of 210 Analytics, our research company that specializes in food retailing. Today, we're going to provide an update, kind of a scorecard, on the performance of Fresh and how it's playing out across the store. Um, let's start out by talking about performance metrics, you know, um, how some of those fresh departments, bakery, deli, produce are faring as people started going out more at the beginning of the summer. And Jana, I'm gonna start with you because what I really wanna know too is what's happening or what impact is the Delta variant having on fresh um, as you know, maybe it's sending people back to the kitchen or back to the grill? What's, give us the updates. So I think the first thing that we have to talk about is metrics. And what's important is our traditional CPG metric of year over year growth was obviously skewed because even in July of last year, we were still at an extremely elevated purchase rate. And when you take the year to date or 52 weeks or the longer tail, when we look year over year in 2020 between, you know, really the middle of March and throughout the year, we were highly elevated in purchasing. What was interesting about Fresh is we really saw some of the most engagement with Fresh start over the summer and then still continues today. So again, when I look year over year, we have departments like meat and produce that are slightly flat for July, over tw July 21, over July 2020. But when we look at the most important metric, I think, which is looking at it compared to 2019. So when I look at the sales that we're generating in the fresh departments versus two years ago before the word COVID or using the words like Delta to describe viruses, we're in our lexicon, right? Perishables in the month of July, 2021 is selling 14% more dollars than it was in 2019. The seafood department is selling 28% more dollar sales. And so that really lets us dip under the covers to say, this wasn't just more people in store because restaurants were closed. This is truly us eating more food at home. And what I've seen throughout the summer, and especially in July, is that this concept of how we cook and how confident we are at cooking and cooking as a form of our everyday eating pattern is still very much apparent, even in the summer of 2021, even though we've now been in some period of post-pandemic for 18 months. 
And the metrics I use to really monitor that, not only our sales, but something we look at every month when we do our, our monthly update with 210 Analytics is the percentage of meals that are made in the home. And even though that peaked at around 84% in Q2 of 2020, we're still at an average American household making 70% of their meals at home. That means that we need more food. And increasingly, what we see is more meal solutions and more things that are made in the home, but are components. The phrase I've read that Anna Marie has used is hybrid meal, where maybe you're making certain things from scratch, like a side dish, but you're augmenting that with a heat and eat protein. Maybe you're making components and things more for snacks, right? We all know that TikTok is really a food juggernaut at this point. And we have actually seen things like watermelon and feta. And, you know, the latest trend I saw was slicing corn on the cob and putting it in your air fryer. All of these things that we think are niche or minor actually do end up having impact in the numbers. And one more point I just want to make on the performance that really gets into the nitty gritty, the department that is showing phenomenal growth year over year is Delhi. And we knew that Delhi would because during Q2 and even into a bit into July of 2020, we saw many delis at minimal operations, especially behind the service counter. The other big thing we saw throughout 2020 is a change in shopping patterns, particularly because we weren't in the office as much. People weren't stopping in the grocery store to get that that night's dinner, and then also getting a few things to eat at their desk when they went back to the office. That had a major disruption on things like hot and ready combo meals and deli prepared in pizza slices, which are often sold hot. And that immediacy of eating from the deli prepared either in store or literally immediately after you were in the store has had an impact. But what we are seeing, not just growth now, it isn't an immediate snap back to pre-pandemic normal. We're still seeing softness in a lot of those immediacy categories. But what we are still seeing growth in is things that are convenient in the deli. So for example, deli side dishes are doing tremendously well. Deli um, entrees are up double digits, even versus pre-pandemic 2019, but that doesn't have to be consumed immediately. I think it shows that people want convenient foods that are fresh. And even if they're pre-packaged, the deli has that fresh halo. And those are really some of the trends we're watching now month to month. So yeah, let me uh, jump on that for just a couple of additional thoughts, because you know, we often look at dollars, but we also talk about volume. What I hear a lot is, well, when you compare 2021 to 2019, there's enormous inflation because of prices going up in 2020 and even more in 2021. So one of the things we also do in our joint reporting is look at volume because that really shows the demand, actual demand is still up over 2019. So that's a very important metric to look at as well. I love your notes on everyday eating. And I think uh, we also still have a big opportunity in retail in um, more of the special occasions, the celebrations. And I'm not just talking about the big holidays, but just the birthdays or getting together for Mother's Day, which we haven't been able to do all those types of holidays or graduations, what have you. Um, and that really has brought back fresh bakery uh, the celebrations, the social togetherness, um, but it also has 
continued strength in uh, doing something nice, whether that's date night or, or celebrating an anniversary. And we see it with huge strength in, in like very high end seafood and meat uh, offerings. And that continues to sit that way. In part, I think we've, we've seen a lot of fine dining restaurants um, close down and, and people have learned to prepare those types of items. But I think there's continued strength there. Um, so, Joan, over to you. Just wanted to add a few points there. No, and those are extremely helpful, valid points um, about volume because people have been, you know, not panicky about inflation, but definitely troubled by it because we see it. It's so prevalent. So it's nice to, to get the combination of, you know, sales going up, but also volume up. But Anne-Marie, I want to stick with you because um, some of what Jana talked about actually is like a nice... Um, ripple from our last um, conversation that we had around plant-based um, meats and things like that. And that was the play of, across the store. You know, we talked about meal. Um, Jana mentioned your, your comment about hybrid meals. And I'm interested because Delhi is up and that is such a convenience arena, how is that impacting some of those meal solutions that we that we get from across the store, like maybe frozen, for example. Yeah, I actually love your uh, your frozen example um, because we often, in myself included, we always say fresh versus frozen, right? We don't use the word and we use the word versus. When you actually talk to consumers and you study their behavior, you see that they really mix and match frozen and fresh. Sometimes that is because fresh is consumed the first few days after people go shopping and then they switch to frozen. Other times it's truly a hybrid meal between fresh and frozen where they leverage things like frozen fruits and vegetables and along with a fresh meat, et cetera. So I think there is actually a lot of opportunity for retail to step in the shoes of the consumer that way and recognize that it is not fresh versus frozen, but that it's very much a hand-in-hand -hand type of solution for the consumer to make it in between trips or, or perhaps two. Credit where credit is due, Frozen has done a tremendous job in innovation, a uh, tremendous job in playing into a lot of the new cooking technologies that we have not yet talked about, but things like Instant Pots, air fryers, and those are big learning lessons, I think, actually from Fresh to walk down the frozen aisle every once in a while and see all the innovations. If we think about things like spiralized zucchini, rised uh, uh, cauliflower, all of those started in the frozen foods department, but were inspired by the social media trends. Jana, you mentioned TikTok, um, things like Pinterest, TikTok, they are also a big source of inspiration. And the beauty about frozen is they have they don't have the uh, sell it or smell it problem like we do in fresh. Um, so they have an opportunity to do a lot more uh, test and learn and what works then can might, you know, move over into the fresh department. So I think uh, looking around the store is another big valuable lesson for the fresh departments. Well, I think I'm going to have to hang on to that sell it or smell it. Um, that <laughs> cracks me up. Um, that's great. So, this is kind of a, a, a big pivot, um, but I want to talk about some of the something that was in the news this week, and that is the Biden administration's announcement that they're increasing the SNAP benefits, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistant Benefit Program, and they're 
boosting it significantly by $36 a month per person to $169 in benefits. And it's really to support a nutritious diet. And one of the things that I, that I noticed was that the USDA has revised its thrifty food plan to include more fish, you know, fresh or frozen, and more of those red and orange vegetables. So to me, these are things that really greatly impact um, the fresh categories. So Jenna, I wanna talk to you and get your sense of how you think this 20 billion annual increase is going to impact some of these fresh departments. Yeah, I think it's a great topic. Timely, throughout the year, we've been emphasizing the importance that different consumer groups are critical for the growth of fresh. And earlier in the year, we studied fresh foods and the impact of the SNAP shopper. We're able to actually isolate transactions for which government assistance programs were utilized in our frequent shopper data. We're actually able to target SNAP households and a lot of our information. We found that actually fresh foods already, as of the beginning of this year, before the supplements, is 36% of the SNAP shoppers total food and beverage spent. So now having an increased emphasis on that can only raise that number. They actually do engage with the fresh departments. And what was so interesting to me when we looked more deeply at even 2020 and what the SNAP recipients were buying in fresh, convenience was king. By that, I mean mixed vegetable packages, fresh mixed vegetable packages, for example, simple nutritious side dishes, way over indexed in the produce department for SNAP recipients. And I think if you, you know, that makes perfect sense. Yet every time we talk with, you know, prepared vegetable, you know, retailers and suppliers, they're thinking about that affluent consumer. And so often in my 20 years in fresh, we're only talking about the affluent consumer and yet SNAP recipients are over-indexing for those pieces and stores that are on limited incomes can still do really well. We also saw fantastic engagement last year with a really interesting category among SNAP recipients, and that's meat and cheese trays in the deli department. If you think about it, the price per pound of a tray of lunch meat and cheeses goes a long way to feed people. It can feed a very large family or a multi-generational household really well, as opposed to ordering by the pound from the service counter. That kind of value, to use Anna Marie's excellent point, as grocers and, and suppliers, we don't often put ourselves in the consumer's shoes, but that way to look at value by buying in bulk is something that's been done in a lot. The other piece we saw is to your point about fish and some of the other categories, we already were seeing tremendous sales from SNAP recipients in things like crab legs, in things like both imitation and fresh crab. The seafood department actually over-indexes for SNAP consumers, as do a lot of cooking greens and root vegetables. I do think that this consumer was already voting with their dollar that they were picking fresh, even though many of these categories had, quote, lower-priced alternatives, but we all want to feel good about what we're serving our families and the fresh departments give that health halo. So I think it's been a surprise for a lot of the suppliers and retailers I talk about to think about a, the snap consumer as a target, and then B really take a look at what product or department you're selling, because I think you'll be surprised at some of the opportunities in snap. And now with more dollars in the pocket, that could be an excellent growth area. 
Yep, I, I completely agree. And I, I think both of you have touched um, very solidly on, again, solutions across the store. You know, some of those things that get meals going, um, some of these are larger households. So they, they are going to be buying a lot more. And I like the notion of, you know, entertaining and um, bigger groups um, that have really, you know, people have been waiting for so long to come back together. So there's going to be a lot, um, a lot there, despite household income, you know, it just doesn't matter what the household income is. We want, all want to be together and celebrating. So many more opportunities to come there. Yeah. One quick thing on that, that I want to mention from our last month's survey that I don't think we talk enough about the number one piece for the last three months when we asked consumers, what are you most looking forward to when restrictions ease? And now obviously with Delta, this is complicated, but I think it's a good harbinger of what consumers have been saying, even as things were more open in May and June, the number one in a list of options that included travel, dine out at restaurants, go out more. The number one thing above all of those was gather with friends and family. I recently saw a display in a store that I just like floored me that was a greeting card display with a wide variety of occasions like birthdays and graduations and thinking of you. And it said, did you miss out last year at the top of the display? Send them a card, invite them over. And gosh, I wish that display was right next to specialty cheese trays and dinner, you know, I call them dinner party sized eight inch cakes because to Anna Marie's point earlier, those are our opportunities this year, especially as we go into the fall with Delta. Gathering with small groups at home, I think still feels very safe to a lot of people. It's easier to contact trace than going out to a special occasion restaurant or meeting at uh, you know, brunch maybe in a very crowded public place. So having people over in your slightly larger COVID bubble seems to be de rigueur. And I think it's really where the consumer mindset is today. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, some of the some of the categories that are um, selling so well, um, we know this from our leaderboard, um, which is also available at iriworldwide.com. Um, it's a lot of it is about entertaining at home. Things like beverages, cheesecakes, sales of cheesecakes are through the roof. Um, so people are definitely, yep, those small gatherings at home or any gathering at home, that's happening. Um, but Jana, you just brought up a really important important part and that was display like what's happening in the store um our colleague bill Ilaria shared some data with me that showed that even as we increased our trips to the store and our time in the store um we still have fewer displays um displays have gone down even more the average store now is down nine displays and that's where people get a lot of their inspiration you know a lot of not only is it on sale um, but it's, you know, it's probably merchandised with something else. And I think, Anne-Marie, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about playing across departments. So can you give us a little insight into what's happening with um, promoting fresh items throughout the store? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I think 99% of it boils down to the issues that we're seeing throughout the entire supply chain, but amplified in the retail environment, and that's the issue of labor. And even long before COVID, labor hours were always a struggle. Um, people at headquarters would dream up 
displaced, putting together vegetables and uh, a carb and the meat. Um, but that requires people around the store to shop the different department, put them in the dedicated refrigerator. And oftentimes what happened was the execution was great on Monday and Tuesday, come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the store was out of labor hour and those uh, refrigerators more than often said empty. Now think about an environment where we have retailers who are having to close their stores early because they do not have people to work the stores. Uh, stores that uh, are ready to open a whole other store but can't because they don't have people. So in other words, what is happening is that it's all hands on deck in simply keeping the display stocked within each of the departments. And that means oftentimes uh, cross-merchandising displays uh, are a lesser a priority, especially because typically what happens is each department has their own labor hours. And then in those cross-merchandising areas, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard who keeps up each of the components in those items. And uh, that's really where a lot of retailers have said, you know what, we need to look good within each of the departments. And if we do a little bit less cross-merchandising, then so be it. So I think it really goes back to what are other ways in which you can inspire. And we see things like digital display boards where at least people are directed to the aisles or the items can be directed to their shopping list. Uh, we certainly see that for online sales where you can find a recipe and put all the items in your shopping basket. Um, and, and just really back to the old recipe card, if you will, um, in addition to, of course, meal kits having made a big comeback as well, both the ones shipped to the home and the ones um, directly in the store. So I think in a way, cross the meal kits have somewhat just really replaced those bigger cross-merchandising displays. But I do imagine that once labor is less of an issue, we'll, we'll see some of that coming back. Yep. And Jana, maybe some final thoughts from you on, you know, maybe helping drive some of that inspiration? Yeah, I think it's solutions, not silos. I think I've said that now in every Fresh Perspectives podcast. <laughs> but what is so important about what Anna Marie just said is we are now living in a digital age of infinite aisle and immediate inspiration. So instead of moan, bemoaning, right, what we've lost with the labor hours and the physical displays having to move, why not embrace what we do have, which is when you use digital inspiration boards and you leverage online, either in your moment of shopping, right, on your e-commerce platform, we still see in Fresh, traditional grocers, apps and websites are the predominant place where people are ordering fresh foods. So as a retailer, that's a tremendous opportunity to engage cross promotion. It is simple as clicks and it's empowered by all the amazing data we have now to know exactly what people are doing on TikTok and to serve an ad to exactly who is most likely to buy this watermelon and feta piece together. And I'm being facetious, but you know, the meal kit to me and the display piece is a really interesting example of where we could say that to someone and the immediate in, you know, impact is, gosh, I should stop doing cross-merchandising displays and I should 
you know, not do anything and I should have a bunch of meal kits. And yet what the data showed us over the last three years and even going farther back is it's the people who innovate around the problem as opposed to the easy solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. So I hear those insights and I start to think about what can we do digitally to be wholly different than before, as opposed to saying, how do I pick the best thing to put on display? How do I maybe use a rotating digital board in order to advertise different things almost every day and even different times of day? That solves that display problem in such a creative way. How do I use a QR code on that display to drive to a shoppable recipe, point people to the aisles. You know, we haven't talked a lot because of so much of COVID and our changing eating and shopping patterns covered it, but there were some really innovative stores that came out last year that one of the most interesting things about new store launches, particularly a large chain who hadn't had brick and mortar stores before, when you went to those stores, it was so digitally enabled. So even though it was a physical store with physical displays that didn't look dissimilar from our traditional grocery store, that store had every single price point on a digital display that could change by the hour. Yep. That's an age-old problem that we never had to solve for because we kept thinking about how we had to move shelf tags around with labor. But this is a store who thought digitally first. And so everything in that store, even though it was hard and fast stockable displays, the carts were empowering, the little sign tags could change, and we really embraced digital. And I think that's what the future is, is about, is innovating around the problem using today's technology. And I think that that will be a topic of a future Fresh Perspectives, right? Absolutely. I think uh, we're talking e-commerce next in the big bad world of digital that I know we're both, all three of us are so excited about. Well, this is awesome. So I just want to recap with a couple of the things um, that I heard today. And that is, you know, Delta variant aside, we are eating more at home. We are more confident. We are more enthusiastic. So that probably will be something that sticks. Um, but the focus really has to be on the total meal. It can't, like, you know, and you've, you've you do say this all the time. It's, it's, I love Anna Marie's hybrid meal. You know, it's pieces from everywhere. Um, these other departments really do support fresh and people are looking for solutions across the store. Um, we can anticipate, you know, or you should anticipate retailers, especially um, that these SNAP um, recipients um, are going to be coming to you increasingly for fresh solutions. Um, everyone wants to feel good about the food that they're serving their families. Um, it's about value and how value is perceived and that's not necessarily price. So don't be afraid of some of those larger things like deli trays or um, you know, working across the store again for some bigger meals and um, even items like crab legs and seafood that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a snap shopper. Um, that's not the case at all. Um, the things um, talking about diminished displays and merchandising, that's a labor issue, but there are so many workarounds, particularly um, with digital apps, websites, where the people already are. Um, there are simple clicks. Use those tools to get to the right audience and deliver up what they need. So be different with digital. And I just wanna kind of 
say that you both have some different alliterations that are now your signatures. Um, Jelana, Jana, yours has always been solutions, not silos. And Anna Marie, you now get to own sell, um, sell it or smell it. So <laughs> I want to thank you both. Until next time, um, stay safe. Thanks so much, Joan. Thanks, Joan. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.